Welcome to American Players Theater's Talk Backs to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange chats with actors Christina Panfilio and Kelsey Brennan about APT's 2016 production of The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare. Today we're talking about The Comedy of Errors by William Shakespeare, and I'm fortunate to have with me uh, Kelsey Brennan and Christina Panfilio, and much, I think, to some audience members' surprise, the two of them are playing the Dromeos this year. So I want to start by talking about uh, the idea of having women in the roles of the Dromeos. Well, here we go. Here we go. I mean, get ready for it. (laughs) (laughs) Just get ready for it. There's nothing... No, I'm kidding. Um, Christina and I have played comic roles together before at ABT uh, and and had a great time. Um, And I think the conversation started, uh, you know, early, what, maybe a year ago. I think we can credit the idea maybe to Brenda DeVita, who suggested it to David, that um, in two very classic comedic roles, the Dromeos, um, perhaps we should put two can I call us comedic actresses, <laughs> perhaps, um, to women who really love to play roles like this. Um, and I, you know, it's not an opportunity that Christina and I would normally get to do. It's not an opportunity that a, that any woman in a Shakespearean company would normally get to do. And and I think at APT, we're trying to expand our ideas of, of who we include in our plays and how we tell the stories. Um, so yeah, game on. And it's no, I think it's no secret that there are very few roles for women in classical theater. And this company is growing and changing. And I think the female voice is growing and changing. And we see a lot of classical theater where men play all of the roles, uh, male and female. And that's been going on since the beginning. And... I think there's we have this opportunity to say, well, what if we cast two women in these roles? And I assume that your gender will be um, somewhat ambiguous. No, no, we're we're playing. I I think I think actually, gender ambiguity can sometimes take away from the storytelling. So we're playing these as men physically vocally, in the costumes, in the makeup, in the design, these are going to be seen as two men. Now, inevitably, Christina and I don't have the bodies of men. So we're going to look different from the actual men we're next to. But the story that we're telling is that we are male. um, And that's part of our jobs as actors is to access that in the best way we can as our storytelling. It's not necessarily going to change the story. um, But more than anything else, it's an opportunity for Christina and I to play roles as women we wouldn't get to play. You know, playing playing those queens and, and those lovers are are wonderful opportunities, but getting to do this is something that's that's rare. Well, and in Shakespeare's time, as Christina just mentioned, the audience had to accept the men playing queens and lovers as <laughs> right. being women, so right. it shouldn't be too much of a stretch for us to accept the two of you not only being men, but talk a little bit about being twins. I'm looking at the two of you, and you don't really look that identical. <laughs> we don't look the same at all. No. <laughs> but, I mean, that's part of it, too. I mean, there is a lot of focus on this idea that we have two women playing men, and 
that is absolutely special. And I think Kelsey hit the nail on the head with it being an opportunity to play roles that normally we might not be cast in. But it's not that much different from, well, I'm doing another play this year where I'm American and I'm playing a Brit in that play. I am not British. Uh, I'm playing a countess in that play. I am not a countess. No? Sometimes you <laughs> sometimes you play a queen. Sometimes you play someone outside of your circumstances. And I see this thing as two actors who are playing some roles that have character, characteristics that are like us and some characteristics that are unlike us. And it happens to be that one of those things is that they're male. Um, and the twin thing... That, all that to say, the twin thing, that's harder in a way yeah. where you sort of go, okay, I need to – my responsibility is to play a char- play this character truthfully and I have a responsibility to, to live inside of a body that moves in a similar way to this other person and speak in a way that is similar to this – person because the play demands that because everyone else in the play is required to believe that we are the same person to mistake us for one for one another mm-hmm. for my money I think that's a bigger challenge than I'm playing a man right I don't know about you Ab- no absolutely I mean having to Christina and I spend a lot of time we don't get much time together no. on stage but we spend a lot of time watching each other work on stage and trying to find the places where our two characters who even though they're twins are two very different people right. in the play where they overlap and how we can kind of enhance that physically um, as well as emotionally what that can um look like and how we can clearly tell the story that even though these two people have never met, they came from the same place. And that's evident in their physical and emotional lives, perhaps. And lived two totally different lives inside of different circumstances. Not totally different. I mean, they... Well, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, but yeah, living different lives... With different relationships. Different relationships. Mm-hmm. And how does that affect us? But we but still have to... We're still the same. Yeah. <laughs> but we have also incredible support from costumes. Um, Fabio's costume design is really, really smart. And um, there's a lot of attention in being put into making sure that we look alike. We'll have prosthetic noses. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, okay. I think so. Uh, we'll have prosthetic noses, which is going to be a big thing. We'll have, this, we'll have wigs that will make us, uh, that will help us look the same. Our costumes are designed in a way that sort of makes, it changes the way our bodies look um so we have a lot of support coming from other places and and speaking of uh fabio toblini's costumes and uh nana ramey's sets uh what is the um the sort of feeling of set for uh, or influence for this production so i believe it was uh fabio and david uh and nana collaborated and wanted to explore the uh cultural influence of 1890 brazil So um, while we're still setting the play for all intents and purposes in Ephesus, uh, we're saying Ephesus, we're saying Syracuse, there are certain elements that kind of pay homage to that culture. There's uh, a beautiful song in Portuguese. Um, There are some really beautiful color palettes uh, that explore that dynamic culture um, and, and gives us just a little bit something extra to play around with. And Nana's set, 
also um, is is uh, made of almost three. Somehow she's made our set into three very different places <laughs> um, because there are many different settings within this play that takes place on one, one day. day. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is there's um, the house of. Dromeo and Antipolis of Ephesus with a huge door that is a, a character all its own um, and has a scene all, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of its own. Um, there's an area of the set that's kind of considered the seedy part of town, mm-hmm. which is fun to play with. And then there's part of the set that's considered um, kind of a... Uh, it's it's a, a church, basically, where mm-hmm. you seek... What does Casey say when you go up there? Sanctuary. Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Sanctuary. All on our APT stage. Right. So that's really fun to And we're changing locations with. constantly. Yeah. So sometimes it's internal, sometimes it's external, sometimes we're in the house, sometimes we're in the street. And again, it's all over the course of one day. So there is also pressure or was also pressure on Nina to have a to create a set that is interesting and also versatile and also simple so that we can sort of imagine these crossfades and these quick cuts and, um, and change location without spending a bunch of time moving things because we don't have time to do that. And being where we are and doing theater the way we do it, we don't have a lot of lights up, lights down, new place. Right. You know, we have to use our imagination um, and, and tell the story in different ways. That's right. The curtain can't fall between no. scenes. <laughs> Um, David Frank, who of course is directing this play, uh, said that at the time it must this must have been the best uh, situation comedy ever written. <laughs> and I love thinking of it as a sitcom. But I was wondering, do either of you uh, feel that there are deeper themes that we should be thinking about? I always like to look for a little something extra. Um, I think, I think when he said that, I think, I think he's right. And I don't think that he necessarily meant it's like going home and watching Everybody Loves Raymond, which is a very fine thing to do, but a different... The idea of what a situation comedy is, I think, is that if you simply... It's the, the simplicity of the circumstances. Uh, if you look at the story, it's so simple. It's so simple, and it's just circumstance. It's people... It's mistaken identity, it's misunderstandings, it's... Miscommunication. Miscommunication, (laughs) which is kind of the foundation of every sitcom we've ever loved or or seen. Right, because comedy so often is based in truth. Exactly. And based in emotional truth and based in circumstances that aren't funny to the people in them. Right, (laughs) exactly. But to the observer who knows more, and the observer always will know, know more in this play, that's the delight is watching people really fail trying to understand each other because what they don't know is they're talking to a different human. They're talking to a different person than they think they are. And that's what I think works so well about it is that when we are allowed to invest truth into the story that we're playing, that's when it's hilarious to me. That's the funniest part of it. But also you asked about bigger themes and I don't know. I mean, I think it depends on who's watching. I think there's... It's a silly, silly play, and also there are these beautiful, beautiful lines about finding your other part. I think mm-hmm. that there's some beautiful stuff in there about, I don't know, finding something you lost that you didn't even know you lost. or And, and feeling accepted in the world, yeah. finding those people 
who allow you to feel accepted, who allow you to accept yourself. And perhaps in the telling of that story, we can inspire people to maybe think more deeply about opening their hearts in a bigger way to people that they maybe have written off because everyone is so strange and intricate um, and everybody's got a story to tell. And that certainly is the one thing that APT does so beautifully is bring stories alive and allow us to take them in on the hill or in the touchstone in, in a way that enriches our lives. Thank you both so much. Thank, Thank you. you. I look forward to seeing you as, as Dromeos. <laughs> Talkbacks to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Your host is Orange Schroeder. I'm Buzz Kemper. Our music is used by permission of the artist. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. Thank you for listening. <laughs>